Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. College basketball taking center stage in the sports world, and we hope we're the podcast that you're tuned in for, as we've been riding the college hardwood all season long, so why stop now? Greg Frank here with you on full slate at Undercover Greg for all of my gambling picks, joined by Bill Christie, my college basketball partner in crime, at Larry's Locks 2 on gambling Twitter. You know him as Lucha Larry. Bill, here we are. Championship week all across college basketball. We just saw the Gonzaga Bulldogs uh, get more than a little bit of a scare, but they survive against BYU. It just feels good to start seeing all these tickets get punched. Oh, my God, yeah. We finally made it. We actually made it to March. You know, we had some battles with COVID for different programs and stuff like that. But, you know, overall, we, we got pretty much a complete season in. And I was going to say, Bill, it really never felt, I don't know about you, but other than, like, maybe Coach K deciding to bitch, like, mm-hmm. did it ever really feel like the season was in danger of just being completely shut down? I never got that vibe. No, never. And honestly, I think I think from, like, the first two weeks, I kind of had that feeling. Like, all right, every, everybody seems to have a plan. You shut them down for X amount of time. You shuffle the schedule around a little bit. Now, Grant, not every single team got a full – Schedule and unfortunately, in. I guess we never got that Gonzaga-Baylor game. That was probably the most high-profile game we didn't get. We still have the tournament, though, right? That's Who knows? True. They That's might true. meet up there. <laughs> they might meet up there. But, yeah, I, look, I'm super excited about this. Uh, we got robbed of this last year with all the conference tournaments. It was like a tease. We got a few games in, and then everything got shut down. It looks like we're going to be doing uh, all the way through, you know, the college basketball tournament, March Madness. Everything's going to be able to get – get in um yeah who knows what's going to happen with the actual tournament as far as god forbid something happens during that time frame because there's not much time or no time really to reschedule so i'm assuming that forfeits might happen but hopefully we don't have to worry about that in the meantime we are going to enjoy some awesome awesome conference tournaments we've already enjoyed a bunch of them there were some tickets being punched like you said we had gonzaga who were on the ropes um, down big. I think they were down 12 at halftime. Uh, Summit League game was got very interesting there with North Dakota State and Oral Roberts. 
Yeah, yeah, I saw that came down to what Or Roberts up three, and North Dakota State had the ball, weren't With able to get a shot off. But they had to make a Grand Hill pass, and and then and you even had a Grant. It was a you know a small matchup in the ACC tournament, but the Notre Dame game. Oh, that was tonight, crazy. Yeah, I mean, Bill, I was on Wake, and I we talked so often on this pod about overtime in college basketball yep. where the dogs go to die. And I wasn't watching a second of the game tonight, but as I started <laughs> keeping an eye on the score, I was like, Oh no, here we go. Wake, wake, you know, eight point, nine point dog with the lead. Most of the game. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I got these points in my back pocket. Don't even think I'm going to need them. And then as the game starts getting close, I start looking at the clock. I'm like, I know where this is going. I've been down this road before. Thank God Notre Dame won in regulation. Yeah, I, I, it was a great play. I mean, the kid had the block. They come down in transition. And uh, I said to a couple people, man, it was almost reminiscent of the Villanova final shot in 2016 right. in the national yeah. title. Yeah. You know, right. with – and I thought I saw Arch for a second with that little <laughs> shuffle pass to Jenkins. It was almost the same exact spot. The guy, I think his last name was Ertz or Wurtz, had like he almost had a Chris Jenkins release, leaning forward and all, and to knock it down. That was that was awesome. What a way to start off the ACC tournament. And like we said, we got a bunch of them coming up. We're going to be diving into it here on this pod. We'll give out some plays, but. You lead the way here for us, Greg. Yeah, and I think that's a good over. segue here. Uh, we just talked about the first day of the ACC tournament. Um, if you're tuning into this pod for picks, well, we want to thank you for tuning in, period. But uh, the first 20 minutes or so, we're just kind of kind of run through some of the major conference tournaments, give some thoughts. We did this at the beginning of the season, just with you know our season opening pod, where we were less pick-intensive. Uh, so, uh, picks are coming, uh, after the commercial break, but as I said, the first 20, 25 minutes, we just want to run through some of the, uh, notable storylines and just things we're keeping an eye on, uh, as far as each of the major conferences. So let's start in the ACC as they already got their conference tournament underway today. Um, and Bill, you mentioned Notre Dame getting that very impressive, well, Maybe not impressive is the right word, but a gut-wrenching victory there over uh, Wake Forest. I want to go back to one of the earlier games today in the ACC. Obviously, it's that team from Durham, Duke, getting a big uh, blowout win over Boston College. And the first thing I have in my notes here is, and I think the answer is unequivocally yes, I just want to get your thoughts. Does Duke have to win the conference tournament to make the tournament? I think they do. You know what? I want to say absolutely that's exactly what they need to do. It's the only way they'll get in. But. Can't go there. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's just, if they were to even make the final, because what would that, they would have to win three more games? Is they'd that correct? To, right. Uh, to make the final, they'd have to win three more because they were playing Louisville on Wednesday, as we record here on a Tuesday night. And then if they were to beat Louisville, uh, they'd be playing Florida State. And then they'd be playing Virginia Tech or North Carolina. You know, that would make them 15 and 11. That would just get them to the final. Yeah, and that would put them at 15 and 11 on the season. They'd have a recent win against Florida State, a recent win over either Virginia Tech or North Carolina. Look, and I hope it doesn't come to that because I don't believe that they deserve it. However, we all know money. You know, the world revolves around money, right? And Duke equals ratings. And, you know, if you want to think that way, there's definitely a chance Duke could get in without actually winning, but at least making it to the final. Um, but, God, I hope we don't have to deal with that. I hope that they just, you know, either lose this next one to Louisville or I, I really can't imagine them getting past Florida State. But, hey, stranger things have happened, that's for sure. So um, I do have a little more on the ACC, but – I'll let you kind of steer the conversation in a different direction with this league. Anything else that you're kind of looking at here? Obviously, Virginia is the top seed, and we mentioned Florida State. And for an ACC that, you know, you and I growing up are so used to being right there with the old Big East as far as, you know, the deepest conference in America, I think there's a pretty clear line in this league. I, no disrespect to Virginia Tech, but I think there's a pretty clear line here after Florida State. Yeah, we've talked about that, I feel like, all, all year. Um, and, and it's, I don't want to say it's sad, but uh, I guess it's just my, 
my own feelings, like you said, growing up on the ACC and watching all these incredible programs and it kind of be a down year for them overall. That being said, it, it kind of leaves this tournament pretty wide open. Oh, absolutely. That's you know, what I like, like to there's, go with it. There's nobody, there's nobody in this tournament that I would sit there and say with total confidence that, okay, they're at least going to make the final. And I'm talking, you can't say that about Virginia. You can't say that about Florida State. Right. You can't say right. that about You can't say that about anybody. Oh, and if you can't say it about those two, then you can't say it about anybody. Exactly. Exactly. So I think the cool thing about this tournament this year is the fact that it is wide open. I mentioned a few things um, on my website, on my blog about, you know, I really do like North Carolina as a sleeper, you know, the sixth seed in this tournament. I think they have a very good route to get to the final. Um I also do still, even though I know it's chalky, but I'm going to back Tony Bennett if I want to back anybody in this tournament um, and his team in Virginia. You know, Hauser's kind of coming to his own, seems to really fit well now within the offense. Um, Virginia just seems like they could be that team. You know, like if anybody's going to shut teams down, obviously it's going to be Virginia. Um, so I could see them being one that's more formidable. Obviously, it's chalky them being the one seed. But that being said, the, the thing that kind of intrigues me the most is if we get this George, Georgia Tech-Clemson matchup, the winner of that game, I could totally see making a deeper run. Um, both teams have been playing really well throughout the season. Georgia Tech was one of those teams that you, know, you mentioned we had the preseason podcast. Um, I did like Georgia Tech as a sleeper team within the conference this year, and they've you know, proved me correct. They've been playing and, much better and, and than... And a few weeks ago, I think it was me that gave out... Georgia mm-hmm. Tech against Duke on the yep. spot. Yeah, yep. exactly. And yeah. the Clemson team, look, they're kind of – Clemson, honestly, to me, is like the uh, the ACC version of LSU. Like, they're a team that you never know what you're going to get. Sure. They, yeah. they get some really good wins. Like it's funny, analogy. though, they're, they're kind of polar opposites on how they do it, right? Like, LSU seems to blow out teams. Going up and down the floor. Points. Right. Clemson, on the other hand, they blow out teams, but because they, they, they hold the other down. team to 40, you know? So right. – that's, that's the kind of matchup I'm really looking forward to in this tournament. Um, not really sure, you know, what you're looking at exactly as far yeah, as well, what... It's actually funny. You kind of covered a lot of the top half of the bracket there. I'm not saying that uh, because we're not really giving out picks here. So I'm not saying that I'm going to, you know, put a futures ticket on this team to win the conference tournament. Or actually, I suppose that ship has already sailed because the conference tournament has already gotten started in the ACC. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless... I do think North Carolina is kind of interesting here. Obviously, the Tar Heels have been inconsistent, right? But I don't think we're singing the same tune with UNC as we are Duke, as we are Kentucky, you know. And and obviously, in in a way, I think UNC and Michigan State kind of mirror each other right now as far as the late life that we've seen from both of those programs over the last few weeks. You look Mm -hmm. at North Carolina, again, still been inconsistent, but they have recent blowouts over Louisville and Duke. And when you look at the way this draw sets up for them, they also have a recent win against Florida State. So they get Notre Dame tomorrow uh, in a game that obviously Notre Dame is very fortunate to even be in. North Carolina is going to be a big favorite there. And if they win, then they play Virginia Tech. Actually, don't don't be surprised if that's going to be lower than you think. I think it's only going to be about five points. That's, you know, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not going to be I'm only say, And I'm only saying that because I looked at Ken Palm, and he had it as a 77-74 final, and typically he's pretty close to what the number is. So, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Wow. That does that, – I thought maybe there'd be a little North Carolina bias in that line too. But Agreed. Um, anyway, if they can get through that, then you're talking about them playing Virginia Tech, who, listen, hat tip to Mike Young. He looks like he's doing a great job there. But now Virginia Tech – Playing with a little more of its tar- little more of a target on its back, uh, and then you know if they can slide past them, you're talking about a semifinal against Florida State, who they just beat, or if Louisville or Duke upsets Florida State, then you're talking about North Carolina playing one of those schools, right? And the Tar Heels just smoked both of them, so I just think the draw is kind of interesting for North Carolina. Again, might not have a cent on North Carolina this whole conference tournament. Uh, but I'll be keeping an eye on how it shakes out for them. Yeah, I talked about that in my blog about uh, North Carolina meeting up with Virginia Tech. That, that to me, is the matchup that's going to probably challenge North Carolina the most of any. 
You know, Virginia Tech does a really, really nice job of keeping people off the offensive glass sure. where we know North Carolina feeds on. So right. I think that matchup, if they can get by Virginia Tech there, I really, really like them. Um, and I like their chances to get to get the job done and win the conference tournament in there. So, yeah, North Carolina is super intriguing. Um, and who knows, could you imagine, like I said, maybe if Duke's good enough to just make the final they could get in. That's what, what I'm saying. But what yeah. if it's Duke and Carolina, and Carolina gets a chance? In the semifinal, yeah. To knock them out completely. Completely, to right. sweep the season because series. Because at that point, even Duke's win over Florida State's not going to be good enough. They're going to have to no. win that too. Exactly. That would be, I mean, I think, actually, I might have to change my analysis there. I think that's what I really want to see. I really want to see Duke, North Carolina in the, in the quarters or semis. Yeah, to see who goes to the finals and see North Carolina get the job done again. Oh, man, that but would be... But you're relying on Duke beating Louisville and Florida State to get there. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, hey, have we were well out to dream, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I don't have as much on the Big East. That's where we're going to next. I, big, I guess the big question is, is there anyone worth paying attention to here? Because it's funny, we talked about the ACC being a little bit of a letdown league this year. And, you know, you and I both being in, you know, I'm in my mid-20s, uh, you're a little older than that, but nonetheless, both kind of growing up with these two leagues as the, you know, you picked any two teams out of a hat and you wanted to see them match up. And the Big East also, now obviously, the new Big East uh, been a little bit different, although they have had some good seasons post-realignment. Uh, this year not being one of them. The question that I have is, is there any team worth paying attention to outside of Villanova or Creighton in this conference tournament? Uh, maybe Seton Hall, I think, could be live. Maybe they could sneak up a little bit on Nova, who's a little shorthanded right now. Mm-hmm. But I do almost hope that we do get a Nova-Creighton final just to kind of see how far I could take either one of these two teams in the big dance. I don't know what you have on the Big East, but like I said, I'm unfortunately not as intrigued by this conference this year. Really, I'm, I mean, I guess because I'm a Nova guy, and I've always loved the Big East. I'm, I'm always intrigued by it. And I think there's some really cool storylines when it comes to this tournament. Um, past, obviously, the first round of, you know, the the, the slim-picking teams that are there, the DePaul and Providence, Butler, Xavier, that stuff. You know, the question mark, obviously, with Villanova is going to be with Gillespie. And I have been on record saying it's not going to be that big of a deal. Justin Moore is an incredible player. Right. He's going right. to become a household. And then he goes down. So, right. you know, I don't know what his availability is going to be. It doesn't sound like he's probably going to play in the Big East tournament. Um, and even if he does, it's going to be limited. And and with both of them being out, you know who you saw? You, you saw Archie Jack and his younger brother in the lineup uh, getting some minutes for Nova. Sure. So you don't really know what you're going to get from them. So it really puts me at an uneasy feeling with them one going into the Big East Conference tournament, but also to go into the Big Dance. Like I don't, I don't think I can trust them going very far. That being said, you mentioned Seton Hall. Seton Hall, I do like their position in this tournament. You know, they got a matchup with St. John's. St. John's sure. is playing okay, uh, I believe. Yeah, just- and obviously St. John's has a Nova win already too. It's right, great. exactly. But I do like. Seton Hall's leadership, their experience, they have Cal, they have Mamou, they have Aiken, they have three guys that have all been there before, and if people have, like, short-term memories, right, like, obviously there wasn't a tournament last year, but the year prior, Villanova won that, but they only won by two points against Seton Hall, and Villanova has won four of the last five Big East Conference tournaments, the only team that's be- that's won it besides them in that span has been Seton Hall, so as much as I like to get on Kevin Willard, um, and kind of fade Seton Hall at every chance I get. I think that they really do have an opportunity with this draw and right. a really, really banged-up Nova team to get themselves to the final. And when it comes to the final, across the board, pretty much in all these conference tournaments, you get to the finals, like anything can really happen there. Like No doubt, you know, yeah. You know, you, we've seen how many times have we seen teams in the conference tournaments make big runs. I mean, I'm going to talk about one right now with UConn when – Kemba Walker was on that team, and they ended up taking that run through the Big East. Uh, I it through the day, sure. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so you never know what you're going to get, but I, that's the other team that does intrigue me is UConn. I really, do, I really, really like this UConn team. I kind of been talking about it all through the second half of the season. Uh, yeah, I was Bo- surprised to see them at three. I'll be honest, I haven't been paying as closely atten- close attention to them in games that I haven't been on one side of as far as my gambling interest. But, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing them at three definitely opened my eyes a little here. And both nights has kind of been, like, right. know, up, up and down away because of injuries. Yep. And 
they've been stalling games, stopping games. But at the end of the day, like I think he's a guy that can be quote unquote Kemba Kemba esque and carry this team um, through this tournament. Look, they already have a card, right? Ryan right. Bowen, Kemba Walker, yep. Shabazz Napier. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to get Providence or DePaul. I'm not. I wouldn't be too worried about them. Um, they would likely then meet up with Creighton. Creighton took both Ws. But if you can remember back, I forget when it was, but the first game that they met, Boknight had 40 in that game. They only lost by two. The next matchup, Boknight was out, and they only lost by eight. So if you're telling me the guy dropped 40, wasn't in the game, he still only lost by eight, and obviously they've improved as the season goes on. I love, love that matchup. And look, I don't know what the heck's going on with Creighton. I know that they reinstated uh, McDermott, McDermott yeah. and, and whatever. Look, at the end of the day, they're a very, very talented team. Uh, but I do like UConn in that matchup. And I, I really think that we're going to see UConn and potentially Seton Hall here in the final. This is the one uh, tournament that I looked at that I don't see as, okay, there's definitely going to be chalk in the final. It's definitely going to be a one or it's definitely going to be a two. Right. And UConn, obviously, a three and Seton Hall a five. Not not crazy. Um but I don't think too many people are going to be on them when it comes to this tournament. Let's go to another conference that I at least, and we talked about this conference, kind of flying under the radar as far as national recognition, national hype, and that being the Big 12, where, uh, you know, for a while now, I've kind of felt like, especially with this uh, surge that we've seen from Oklahoma State, you could pick any of these teams that are going to make the tournament, Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State now, West Virginia, and, and you can make a legit case for not you know not only them to win this conference tournament, but to make the Sweet 16 Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kansas did just lose David McCormick. Uh, Oklahoma State has been banged up. Uh, likely's out or has been hurt. Uh, Kate Cunningham has been hurt. So, uh, you know, what's going to uh, but but they keep winning. I mean, Oklahoma State yeah. just – I mean, I, I thought for sure – I texted you and Alex, our producer, the other day. Like, I was really feeling great about holding a West Virginia minus seven ticket before yeah. those injuries I mentioned were announced. And it really felt like that was where the rubber met the road for Oklahoma State. They had beaten Oklahoma twice. They had a Texas Tech win. They covered a number against Baylor. And, you know, they're just kind of – continuing to outperform the Vegas expectations and also winning a ton of games. And they did it even shorthanded against West Virginia. So definitely intrigued by the pokes just as far as where they can go. Oklahoma coming in, not playing as well. Um, and we'll get to them a little later on in our picks. Hint, hint. Uh, but uh, Texas is the team I'm intrigued by here because yeah. they defend very well. And if they can find some more consistency, they're in cold from the floor, unfortunately, for both of us against Texas Tech not that long ago. Uh, but if they can get past Texas Tech, then you're talking about playing Kansas or Oklahoma, uh, you know, in the next round in a game, I think, that would be uh, a favorable matchup for the Longhorns. So I, I think it's probably Shaka's team that I'm most interested by. But like, I, like we've discussed, this is a conference that uh, probably doesn't get as much love nationally as it should it, it's been a good year for the big 12 um 100 percent. like i'm looking at the bracket right now and it's like you have tco and kansas state and you have oklahoma playing iowa state but outside of that every other matchup and every other possible combination of matchup going forward is going to be awesome like there, there's going to be no bad game in the big 12 tournament outside of those first two and who knows they could end up being decent games as well uh, you mentioned Texas. Texas is definitely a team that I'm high on in this tournament. They were a team that I was high on preseason. They've beyond exceeded my expectations. I think they climbed as high as four in the country at some point. Um, the right. team that I do like as a sleeper, though, is on the same side of their bracket as the team you mentioned in Oklahoma. Uh, a very, very favorable matchup against Iowa State. Then they get the Kansas team without McCormick, and then they get either Texas or Texas Tech, who is going to be getting through a battle well, either way, whoever wins that game. So I do like the road that Oklahoma Oklahoma has there as that seven seed. Um, but the other part of it is you mentioned Oklahoma State, and you talked about all this adversity that they've had to overcome, and, and we, you didn't even talk about the fact that the NCAA still hasn't said that they're going to play this game, right? Is that correct? I guess that's right, yeah, but against it, uh, Oklahoma State or against uh, West Virginia. Right. It, it's To me, 
<laughs> Look, and I, I have constantly said how much uh, I disagree on so many things with the NCAA, uh, and this is like a case in point. Like, how do you, as the governing body, just leave a team in limbo? And and to think about it, like any other year, not to say that it would be okay, but like there's not other ramifications that come with this. You're talking about a time where travel's not that simple anymore because of COVID, right? Like, you don't have the, e- the ease of just picking up and going right away and right, not right, having right. a quarantine if you run through something or, if, you know, you cross paths with somebody, what have you. For them to just leave these guys out to dry, to me, is a disgrace. And, look, at the end of the day, Kid Cunningham is the player of the year, right, in the conference. Is that right? Is that right? Uh, they're not going to I yeah, believe he, he won that. Yeah, it was either the definitely won the freshman of the year, and I thought yeah. he was the player of the year. I'm going to look it up now. Right. So like they're not they can't leave them out. It's almost like but they don't want to say it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's to me it's such a joke. Like just just tell us one way or the other. Um, but that it is intriguing no matter what because the way that they've been playing, like you had said, has been unbelievable with yeah. Kate Cunningham with Cunningham today, player of the year. Okay. So, again, I just don't see them holding him out of this tournament. That all being said, though, super chalky in this one. I think Baylor, after that loss, obviously they had three really, really nice wins after that. They're going to have a chance, or they could possibly have a chance to avenge that loss if the the Kansas without McCormick is able to make the final. I don't think that they're the team that does. I think it's going to be the winner of Texas and Texas Tech, likely being Texas to face Baylor in the in the finals, and honestly, I think Baylor's going to make a big, big statement come the final of this bracket heading into the actual tournament. So, chalky for me here in Baylor, but like you said, Texas also intrigues me. The Oklahoma State has a lot of storylines, and that Oklahoma team is my, uh, my value play as far as a future ticket would be. Let's wrap up out west with the Pac-12, and Bill, let's just tip our caps to Oregon. I mean, number one seed, regular season title here. And I know both of us weren't very high on Dana Altman's team uh, coming into the year, uh, just kind of based on the fact that there was a lot of turnover with the program and, you know, didn't really feel like Oregon was just going to be able to kind of keep the train rolling out there in Eugene. But here they are, the number one seed. Uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make a, a deep run. But, you know, a, a John Rothsteinism that I like is he always goes, his name is Dana Altman, and he aligns Rubik's Cubes. And, and that's, <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like he was doing this year. Yeah. And he's kind of made it match enough here. Uh, it definitely gives the Ducks a lot of credit for the season they've had. Yeah, and look, at they're all there now, right? That Rubik's Cube. You know, it doesn't need to be shuffled around too much anymore, barring anything happening from this point on. And they've looked really good as a unit, having a full squad here. I think the one team that we were both very high on, um, you know, didn't really live up to our expectations. I know, however, they are a four seed in this, and that being UCLA. Right, yeah. Um, you know, but who knows? They're a team that could – Well, and that's what I, where I was going next, like – I don't know if I can quit them for that reason because when mm-hmm. you still see them as a four seed, it makes me think, well, there's been something there, right? Like, yeah. you know, you look further up the bracket, Arizona State was a preseason top 25 team. There's nothing there. You know, they, they've just been yeah. one of the biggest disappointments in the country this year. UCLA, when they can put it together, like they were at Oregon not that long ago. I think it was like, was it a week ago or whatever? And they had a, a, a lead like the whole game as a five-point road dog. And they end up not even covering the game. So yeah. for UCLA, it just feels like, you know, kind of like what I talked about with North Carolina and the ACC, where you just need to see a little more consistency. I, I don't doubt that the talent is there. It's just a matter of them putting it together more consistently over 40 minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the scary thing about them, though, right, is they're coming in on a three-game losing streak. Sure. You know, granted, it was to the top three teams in the conference, yeah, how about USC? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's where I was going to go with next. You know, their their most recent loss was that only that one point loss to USC, who has uh, the freshman player of the year, the conference player of the year, right? Like, right. I mean, Mobley has been unbelievable. Um, you know, in USC, I don't, I don't, I can't remember what I had them as uh, preseason. 
Um, I know I had Arizona State up there, and like you had said, what a letdown they were um, pretty much from the get-go. I kept waiting for them to turn it around, and they, they really couldn't do it at all this year. Um, and the Buffs have kind of, not that I want to say come out of nowhere, but um, I don't think many people had them at the top of this conference coming in the preseason. They're sitting here as a three-seed, so you know, interesting to see them in that spot. Anybody that you are looking at in this one outside of – I know you just said UCLA, but is there anybody else in this yeah, one? Yeah, I mean, I'll a... be honest. Like, this is going to sound lazy, but Pac-12. You know, I know that Thursday night kind of is their national TV moment in the sun, and so you know, I've caught some UCLA, caught some Oregon, caught some USC, but you know, I'd be hard pressed to uh, to tell you if I was giving out, you know, reaching on like a Colorado or Utah, or you know, I, I think we were both kind of hinted at Stanford as maybe a sleeper and they've been a little disappointing in the conference in the conference this year, just kind of hovering around 500. I have a pick in their game against Cal. Uh, but you know, there's nobody I really, you know, like I mentioned, North Carolina is a team that I think could maybe make a run in the ACC. There's, there's not many, there's nobody in the PAC 12 that I feel similarly about probably just because I'll be honest, I just haven't seen enough of the, the, the mid tier teams in this league. Yeah, and let's be real. Like, there's nobody <laughs> in this conference that like would scare any of the Big Twelve teams in, in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like if they don't get a single member of the Sweet Sixteen, it wouldn't be surprising. I am a hundred percent there with you. So um, I think that the Oregon team, though, you know, with them being at full strength now, they do intrigue me um, as the one team out of this group that I think is going to be able to make a little bit of a push. Um, come the NCAA tournament. I know USC has been playing really, really well, but uh, I just don't think they have what it takes to make it past the second weekend of the tournament for sh- uh, for this one. I really don't see it. So. so there you go, a little bit of a conference breakdown. We'll do the same thing on our podcast tomorrow with the Big Ten, the American Athletic Conference, and the SEC to run through seven conference tournaments uh, over back-to-back podcasts. But let's take a break. And then we'll get to our picks on the other side. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make sure that you're having the most comfortable sheets. And the reason why is, well, we all love our sheets. And Brooklinen has you covered. Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer betting company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products. They even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 off when spending $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot com and enter the promo code UNCONTESTED to get $25 when you spend $25 off when you spend $100 or more and you also get free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use the promo code UNCONTESTED at checkout. And we're back here on Full Slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Bill Christie joining me. Lucha Larry is how you know him on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. We're going to start in the Big East for our first play. Uh, and, Bill, you're going to look to Patrick Ewing's team, the Georgetown Hoyas, a short dog here at Madison Square Garden, catching three against Marquette, total of 143. Why do you like the Hoyas? Uh, not too much here. I'm not going to be playing them for for a ton, probably a half a unit, possibly just one. Uh, I just like the way that Georgetown has kind of looked the second half of the season. Uh, and then after a win 
you're looking at uh, a team in Marquette that's only you know, four and eight after following up a win, uh, and after a loss, you got Georgetown who's eight and three. So a team that you wouldn't expect to kind of be buttoning it up after a loss and getting the job done. Georgetown kind of has seemed to be that way. This isn't a team, obviously, that I'm picking to make any kind of run within the tournament. Uh, but I like them catching a the three here. They only lost by a couple to Marquette in their first meeting. I think the line was about four, four and a half, something like that. Line hasn't moved much. I like Georgetown in the revenge game. Uh, and I like them as far as, you know, look at if you're talking about, you know, pedigree and coach coaches that have been there before, this matchup has that, right? I mean, you're talking about Patrick yeah. Ewing and, and uh, Will Jahowski, who was, you know, they could use him probably right now over at uh, his old alma mater. Maybe he could help him out if he was running point for him. But um, I like Georgetown here. Give me the points. Uh, I wouldn't shock me if I saw a Georgetown outright win, but I will be taking the three. Curious to see what it does come morning time as far as line movement. Yeah, I was definitely leaning this way when I looked at this game. Uh, we talked a little bit about Georgetown at various times throughout the podcast about the Hoyas, you know, not necessarily put up or shut up, but damn near close. Just, you know, Ewing obviously has been there long enough where you'd start to expect some results sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in these kinds of games with two teams like uh, Georgetown and Marquette that aren't going to the NCAA tournament, it's always kind of comes down to, you know, motivation and which team is tapped out on the year versus, you know, who wants to prove a little something. And I think Georgetown is probably more likely to kind of have that chip on its shoulder here. So if I had to play the game, uh, I would lean to Georgetown. Uh, that's certainly uh, for sure. I want to go from the new Big East to a team in the old Big East uh, and now in the ACC. For my first play, I'm going to back the Syracuse Orange as a short underdog, or excuse me, a short favorite against NC State. Uh, Syracuse rotation number 608, laying two and the hook. Yeah, and give me the orange here. They have beaten NC State twice already. Uh, but before I get more into that, just naturally gravitated towards Syracuse, having seen NC State win five straight coming into this game, yet still be a short dog in a battle of two bubble teams that you know are fighting tooth and nail just to get into the big dance. Line seems to be moving against NC State too, which makes me like it even more. It looked like this opened one and a half two, and now we're seeing two and the hook at least at Bet Online. So. You know, that also kind of just as far as we talk often about line movement on this show and, uh, you know, funky favorites and things like that. And, you know, not saying Syracuse is your prototypical weird favorite here. I mean, this line was going to come pretty short one way or another. And on my book, I'm actually locking in two right now. But I do think it's interesting that both of these teams rather inconsistent throughout the year. NC State looking to play, be, you know, be the more consistent team coming in, uh, having won those five straight, uh, yet we're still seeing the Wolfpack as a dog here. And then I looked more into the matchups when these two teams played already with Syracuse having won both in the regular season. NC State does not rebound well. They gave mm-hmm. up a combined 24 offensive rebounds against Syracuse in the two meetings in the regular season. And for a Cuse team that doesn't shoot the ball that well, that is, a, you know, a huge X factor for them. Uh, offensively and, you know, wearing you down. And, you know, we talk so often about second chance points kind of being backbreakers for teams. Uh, and, and I think that could certainly be a factor again. And then when you look at the other side, when NC State has the ball, Cuse uh, really defended the perimeter well against NC State, which negated the NC State outside shooting advantage that they the Wolfpack appear to have statistically. Um, so it really feels like the, the Wolfpack have not really been able to crack that 2-3 zone that Beheim always plays. And, um, you know, I mentioned NC State coming in playing well. Syracuse also comes in uh, having recently defeated Clemson in North Carolina. So it does feel like the Orange are, are maybe, uh, you know, finding a little something late in the year that would make me at least think that they can beat a team that they've already beaten twice before. And, hey, they just watched a bubble team, if we can still call Duke a bubble team, blow out Boston College. Uh, something tells me these, uh, and I don't even want to call Syracuse a blue blood, but these, uh, you know, historically good teams, I guess I'll, I'll say. With <laughs> something tells me that, you know, a lot of these schools are going to, at least in the first game 
of their conference tournament show out decently enough where I'm only going to have to give two and a hook, or in this case, two. Uh, I'll back the orange lay in the short number. Yeah, I don't have a play uh, yet on this one, but I was leaning uh, Syracuse in this game, sort of how you were saying you were leaning a little bit towards Georgetown uh, before I went into that one. Uh, you said they have two wins against them already, uh, and I think the biggest thing is when you're playing a Syracuse team, you know, you're going to get your perimeter game pretty much taken away from you uh, with the zone. But, you know, they're very susceptible to the offensive glass, and Wolfpack isn't the best team at getting on the offensive glass. I think Syracuse will be able to still stifle them with that zone, and I could see them uh, being able to handle that small number, no problem. But not sure if I have a play, and if I don't, best of luck to you. And, again, I would be leaning the Qs in that one. So let's go to the Big 12 where, uh, you know, Bill, I'm curious your handicap here. As you mentioned that you kind of liked Oklahoma as a sleeper in the Big 12 conference tournament, but you're going to fade them here at least uh, at the number being where it is with Iowa State catching 11 and the hook. We've talked plenty of times actually on this podcast about how this is, you know, Iowa State only has two straight up wins all season, but they have found a way to get up for these games against the bigger opponents in the league and cover some numbers. Is that kind of all you're seeing here and why you're taking the points with the Cyclones? Yeah, pretty much. Look, at that. you got three games for Oklahoma that have been between 10 and 15 points spread over the second half of the season. Two of them came against the Iowa State team. Both of those times, they didn't cover. Also against Kansas State, they were favored by 10. They didn't cover. They actually lost that game outright. Right. Um, but against Iowa State, obviously, they won both of those. They only won by seven in the first matchup uh, back on February 6th. The line was 14. Didn't come close to covering. Uh, they came much closer in the second meeting. 11.5 was the spread. They won by 10. Uh, again, the, the line being what it is, still sitting at 11, that doesn't, that doesn't really uh, make me want to jump on Oklahoma. Sooners are 0-5 against the spread their last five. 0-4 in their last four games following a straight-up loss, and they're also 5-10 and over the course of the season as favorites. Not a lot of that lines up for Oklahoma. We all, again, know what Iowa State has done as double-digit dogs throughout the season. Don't look at their actual record. Look at their against the spread record. looks much better. That all being said, I am on Iowa State plus the points. However, I feel like every time I've backed Iowa State this season, they have gotten blown out, so... <laughs> Tail with caution. <laughs> well, when, anytime you end a handicap <laughs> saying "tail with caution," I, it's not the best uh, word. Probably of hammer it. You honestly <laughs> should probably hammer it. Whenever I'm cautious about it, that's when I end up worrying about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I actually was on Iowa State recently, getting the big points mm-hmm. against Texas Tech. Kind of thought Tech could be a little flat, and I don't think if I remember correctly. Ohio State did, or excuse me, Ohio State did get out to a decent start there and just, uh, you know, fizzled pretty quickly. Um, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, though, I, I didn't make it a full crossfire, but I, I keep well, now I'm feeling more confident. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to stay away, but I keep waiting for Oklahoma to kind of get right. And, you know, yeah. it sounds like if you think that they're a sleeper in the conference tournament. And I, I'm not even going that far. Like, I'm not really sure. And this is why I'm ultimately passing. Like, did Oklahoma just peak, you know, and and, and is this just are, – are they going to fizzle out and, you know, not even necessarily – you know, certainly not saying they're going to lose this game outright, but be an early exit in the Big 12 tournament and, and drift down closer to the 8-9 seed line and, you know, maybe not even win a game in the NCAA tournament. Like, we've all seen teams like that where, you know, their moment in the sun happens to be in January and – obviously, and, and they can't kind of, uh, you know, ride it out all the way into March. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, you know, went back to the well with Oklahoma twice against, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, even after they lost the first one, because I believe the first one was in Stillwater and then the second one was in Norman. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, I just kind of felt like, okay, well, you know, rivalry game, they haven't been playing well, they lost to Texas, you know, they'll figure it out and, and get right and, and it just hasn't happened yet. And so I keep waiting for it. And, 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 I, and I don't think that, you know, if you like Oklahoma here, like it's not the type of thing. Like I wasn't afraid of this number because I do think given the way they've played, and this is why I almost laid it, that having not played well, I think that there is going to be reason for them to want to 
get some margin here. And it's not going to be the type of get-in, get-out game that you're talking about. Again, I'm not on Oklahoma, but um, you know, I'd definitely be leery because I, do, could, I could see them wanting to send a message. But at the same time, the reason I'm not on it is because going back to what I just said, like, yeah, we've all seen these teams where, you know, they have their big hurrah kind of in January and they just don't seem to stay at that level. So, and that might be Oklahoma. So yeah, I'm, uh, with, I'm with you on that. It's just the other part of that coin though is right. Like they're in the big 12. Like, so they, those, those losses, even though they haven't been playing well, they're, they're playing, yeah, they're playing very, very good competition. Sure. So Big difference doing that in the Big 12 as opposed to doing it in the Pac-12, per se. Let's go. Speaking of the Pac-12, let's go right there where I want to go out to the Pac-12 conference tournament. I talked a little earlier about Stanford being a little bit of a disappointment, and I'm going to actually fade the Cardinal here and take the Cal Golden Bears plus six against Stanford uh, tomorrow night uh, in the Conference of Champions. And really what I'm looking at here is, like I said, you know, Stanford really been kind of a, a disappointment, I think most most would say, in the Pac-12, and they've lost four in a row coming into this game. So, you know, anytime you see these teams, uh, you know, and we'll certainly get into this later as we have a consensus play uh, to wrap up the pod, but anytime you see these teams that don't get the, uh, you know, the buy or, you know, you know, even the single buy and like the double buy league or whatever, so like the teams that play today in the ACC and uh, you know, bottom line is the teams that have to play on the first day of the conference tournament, I always wonder, well, where's their head at? You know, they clearly didn't have that great of a season. Uh, you know, in the case of the neutral site games, obviously this is more of a pre-COVID thing. Like, are they just kind of going there to kind of have their fun and wherever they're going for the trip? And do they want to play the game? Uh, some of that stuff does worry me a little with laying points with a Stanford team that's lost four straight. Looks like there was a little early money on Cal, despite the minority of the tickets on the Golden Bears. Um, you know, this was seven, six and a half, I think, and now it looks like five and a half, sixes across the board. Uh, and then, you know, so like I said, the recent form for Stanford, not great. Stanford's calling card is its defense. Uh, they're 38th in defensive efficiency, yet not just the last four games that they've lost. Defensively, they haven't been as good the last month or so. Seven of the last eight games, Stanford has allowed at least 65 points. And one of those games was against Cal, in which the Golden Bears scored 70 in Palo Alto in a game that Stanford still won but did not cover. So um, I, I think that's kind of the game. I'm not, not going to sprinkle uh, because I could still see Stanford winning. But like I said, with Stanford not defending as well recently and obviously not being an offensive juggernaut, if Cal can get to that same six or 70, excuse me, that it got to against Stanford on the road not that long ago, I think the Golden Bears can cover for me. So I'll take them plus the six. Oh, good luck. Pew, man, I don't want any yeah. part of that stinker. Speaking <laughs> of stinkers, <laughs> let's go to Wyoming and San Jose yeah. Wow, State. okay, okay. Talk about stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like you like to say, right, all tickets cash the same. Yep. So – Hopefully I'm on to something here. We're going to be riding the Cowboys of Wyoming in this one, laying the big number. This is the the Big West, correct? I Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I know the mascot. That's about it. I can't really think of the conference. There's just been too many of them going on. Um, but, yeah, like I said, we're going to be on the Cowboys here. 5-0 and against the spread in the neutral site games, which is a very large sample size compared to what most teams have seen uh, throughout the course of the year. They're also 4-0 against uh, 4-0 against the spread. Their last four games versus teams with losing straight-up records. They like to feast on these bottom-feeding teams, it seems like. Uh, they're 4-1 against the spread also following uh, games where they had a straight-up win. Flip it to their side, same as they state. They are 3-15. Obviously, that carries over last season. Their last 18 games versus teams with a winning straight-up record. So, I as much as... I'm looking it up now. I'm sorry. This is the Mountain West. I, I forgot oh. these two teams were in okay. this league. Speaking of stinkers, <laughs> <laughs> I, I associate this league with, like, San Diego State, Utah State, and I don't even know if, if UNLV would normally be in the Mountain West. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There's, like, the three teams I could name. And Boise. 
without looking anything up. Yeah, you, you probably need more during the football season, for, I would guess, right. than, than the basketball yeah. season. But uh, like I said, like Cowboys, they seem to feed on the bottom of the conference here, uh, whereas San Jose State is the opposite. Teams that are a little bit above them, they seem to really just play down and lay down for them. Um, they've also had five neutral side games this season where they're only one and four. I think Wyoming's going to be able to push them through the 11 and a half and get the 15 point, 15 plus point win here. I'll be riding the Cowboys all night long in the Mountain West Conference of not champions. Who cares about the game unless we cash the ticket? There you go. Um, I, I will say this next pick, um, I, it's not a total who cares because it does seem like, as I'm going to the MAAC uh, with uh, the Iona Gales taking on uh, the Siena, uh, I don't even know what they're called, but um, nonetheless, it's uh, the Siena Saints, but their yeah. mascot is a dog, I think. Yeah, there's, it's no. like, uh, what do you call it? St. Bernard. Yes, yes, there you go. Beethoven. Um, so Siena and Iona. And I am a little intrigued, though, just to see if the winner of this game does win this conference because these seem to be the two teams that are the class of this conference. And Iona probably was the most, you know, COVID-ridden team in the conference or in America probably. What do you expect, right, with Patino there? You know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Slick Rick, you know, gets shut down for seven weeks from, you know, uh, February or December 23rd all the way until February 12th. Then they play a few games, and then today was their first game back in, like, another three-week COVID hiatus. So I was worried. I was on Quinnipiac just for that reason, and they smoke them. So once that is kind of behind them, which I think it is, then you start looking at some of the other stuff, you know, just the on-court metrics. Mm-hmm. Top-ranked offensive efficiency team in this conference is Iona. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league. And that's what really makes me like this pick here, getting Iona plus it looks like one-and-a-half, two, is the fact that they they shoot the ball so well. And yeah. that seems to be something, you know, Bill, like I know that you've, you, you know, you've been around the game at all levels for a while. Like shooting just seems to be something that can be so hot and cold and if you haven't played in a while, but you are a good shooting team, then that makes me worry less about having not played in a while. Because if you can just get your shooters out there and start knocking down shots, then, you know, who cares how long it's been since you played? So that's kind of the, and actually I'm seeing now, Iona has flipped as a short favorite. So that also makes me like this. Um, I think the bottom line here is we're getting the best team in the conference pretty cheaply. And that's not to slight Sienna. It sounds like they're pretty good in their own right. Uh, but, you know, give me the Gales on a bit of a mission here. Post-COVID, you know, 2.0 hiatus that they've dealt with. Like I said, they had the longer one there at the end of right around the holiday you know, around Christmas. It took them all the way into the middle of February. And then another one that they just got back from. Give me Iona to beat Sienna uh, in the MAAC conference tournament. Anything yep. here on Patino's boys? Are you moving? Are we moving right on? No, real quick. I, I think I'm going to end up hopping on that with you. I was on Iona tonight, um, and it's interesting the point you brought up about the the COVID break. I think it's a little bit different when you're playing into the conference tournament as opposed to it being the regular season, right? You come back from the COVID break, regular season, uh, going through the motions. Like they know they can't go through the motions. That's your point. Yeah, you lose, you're gone. Um, and I feel like this Iona Siena matchup has happened so many times in this conference. Uh, with with some really good talent, especially local to where we grew up, um, you know, in the South Jersey region. There's a lot of kids that have gone on to, to play at Siena and, and Iona as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Iona. It's, it's kind of weird to me that's such a short number. Um, but like you said, they just do such a good job on the offensive end. They have the coach at Patina that we like to – to rag on a bit, but look, he's got the most experience of any coach probably in that conference when it comes to uh, win or go home games. So, you know, that that makes me lean that way too. I'm probably going to be on the gals, not sure for how much, but I, I liked your analysis and, you know, I, I think we'll end up backing them tomorrow. Well, one pick that we are for sure going to have a consensus on, and 
hey, let's go from Rick Pitino to his son's team. And got yeah. Not exactly looking great for Richard Pitino. That seat is awful warm. I would not want to sit on the seat that Richard Pitino sits on in that office in Minneapolis because the Minnesota Golden Gophers are in complete free fall. We're both going to be on Northwestern here in the Big Ten tournament. We'll obviously talk more about the Big Ten on tomorrow's pod, uh, but Northwestern laying two, two and a half. I grabbed a deuce on the Northwestern Wildcats and, uh, you know, total in this game of 140 and a half for those interested in the total. But, you know, I'll just kind of be brief here. As I mentioned, Minnesota is a sinking ship. It wasn't that long ago that Minnesota was on the NCAA tournament bubble. And now here they are playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament. Just a complete mess that everything has unfolded. I think they've lost. Richard Pitino has lost the locker room. He should get fired. I, 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 this is not a team that I want any piece of. And I think the big thing, I just kind of finished talking about this in my Cal Stanford handicap, where when you have these teams that come in and they don't even get into the, the they don't even get the single buy, which is what we're talking about here. Big Ten, obviously, is a double buy conference tournament format. So you have Minnesota and Northwestern having not getting the single buy, meaning, you know, you mentioned that Kemba Walker run, same deal there with UConn, the double buy league there in the Big East, and they didn't even get the single buy UConn, so they had to win five games in five days. Single buy, obviously, you only need to win four, and double buy, you only got to win three. Anyway, here we have Northwestern kind of sneakingly playing a little better recently. They've won three straight, covered four out of five. And so when you're a team that is in these games, the games we saw today in the ACC, the games we're about to see tomorrow in the Big Ten, where you are the worst teams in your conference and you are playing the conference tournament game, which whoever loses, it will be their last game of the season, you always have to wonder a little bit about the recent form. I think it matters a lot more than, you know, like a team like Oklahoma, where we've seen them play at a very high level earlier this season. And while they have struggled lately, you know, like I was saying, I would not hesitate to lay the big number if you liked Oklahoma in that game against Iowa State. Here with Northwestern, well, they're kind of playing a little better, and there were never, obviously, expectations for for Northwestern this year. They were always at the bottom of the league. And then here you have Minnesota, where it's like, well, they were supposed to make the NCAA tournament at one point this year, and here they are playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament, and they're a dog, and they should be. So I just think this game in and of itself, you asked me about the current form, you best believe I'm going to be on the Wildcats, who have been playing a little bit better, over the team in Minnesota that has just tapped out, I think, entirely on its season, and I only have to give two and a half? Absolutely, I'll take the Northwestern Wildcats. Yep, I'm right there with you. This Minnesota team has been an absolute disgrace. Outside of them playing at home and getting some nice wins there, it's been ugly. Yeah, they went over the road this year in the Big Ten. Exactly. And And by the way, one of his recent wins for Northwestern was at Minnesota. There you go. Another another positive to us on this one here with the Wildcats. Uh, Look, Minnesota being the dog this season, they've been a dog 15 times. They've covered five. (laughs) After a loss, which they lost 13 games, they've covered five. Then I looked a little deeper into it, and I wanted to say, all right, let's see what they've done when they've only been getting a handful of points, anywhere from, let's say, two to five, two to six points. Sure. Their last five, where they've been getting, you know, between those numbers, guess what they are against the spread? Oh, and five. Oh, and five is correct. There it is. Oh, and five. It's It's been, it, it, like you said, free fall. I mean, Patino, hot seat, shouldn't even be on a seat. Um, and in those losses, though, like you most recently had Rutgers. And I, I did get a little nervous in that one. I, as a Rutgers uh, alum, I was like, uh, I mean, I can see Marcus Carr really coming out and dominating sure. the second half. And he didn't. I mean, he was that was the worst game he's had possibly of his career. Um, but they still lost by seven when they were only getting three and a half. Against Penn State, they lose by almost 20. 
against Illinois, they lose by almost – or they do, they lose by 31. Against Maryland, they lose by 23. Against Purdue, they lose by uh, 19. In all these short lines, I'm not – look, like you said, I'm only going to have to lay two and a half, three. Yeah, give me Wildcats. This is going to be a big play for me. Not exactly sure how big, um, but we always like when we're on the same side of it here. So, yeah, Wildcats and – you know, I feel a little bit for for Marcus Clark because he's a tremendous player. But yeah, no, he really has been great, and it's unfortunate that uh, you know this is how the season is ending for him. I believe he's only a junior, if um, memory serves me correctly. So I think he's got one more year of eligibility with the Gophers. I'm double checking right now. Uh, yes, he is a junior, uh, but you know, Gabe Kalser, one of their more experienced kids, has been out, uh, and and Carr has just had to shoulder. A lot of the load. It's uh, mm-hmm. this is this is not going to end well, uh, guys. With how much each of us like this, I'm going to upgrade this uh, and make it a max play for me. Oh man! There we go. What's better what than max did. play on a nine-win team in March? Like what's question? <laughs> Everybody will be tuned into it. I'm sure. <laughs> there we have it. Bill Christie, Larry's Locks Two on Twitter at Larry's Locks Two. Lucha Larry. Uh, I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg to find all of my picks. Uh, Bill, hey, we're going to be busy talking to each other a lot over these next few weeks, but wouldn't want it any other way. March is upon us. Selection Sunday, just a few days away now. Enjoy talking to you. We'll talk soon. All right, see you. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. And, of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.